Welcome aboard the Coastal Connection. I'm Jennifer Ritter-Gidry, your guide for this trip through Louisiana's coastal wetlands. The first documented Mardi Gras celebration is often cited as 1699 when the explorer Iberville and his men rested by a waterway that they dubbed Bayou Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras continued to be celebrated during colonial times and becoming a part of life. By the time Louisiana joined the United States in 1803 with the Louisiana Purchase, Mardi Gras was an entrenched tradition in New Orleans and many other communities throughout Louisiana. Nonetheless, Mardi Gras remains one of those institutions of the culture here in Louisiana that has just about as many different manifestations and explanations and ways to celebrate it as there are peoples of Louisiana. Most people are familiar with the parades and the large celebrations that occur in urban centers, especially in New Orleans. Other communities around Louisiana, like Lafayette, Lake Charles, Alexandria, and even up in North Louisiana in Monroe, celebrate large Mardi Gras celebrations, including parades, Mardi Gras balls, and other pageantry. Another form of the Mardi Gras tradition that's also fairly well known is the country Mardi Gras, or the Courier de Mardi Gras, that happens in the prairie areas of Louisiana, particularly in Acadia Parish around Eunice and Mamou, as well as in St. Landry Parish and other small communities. This Mardi Gras tradition incorporates costuming, masking, and the idea of the role reversal on a special day, the day before Lent, when Catholics traditionally give up all excessive uh, indulgences and um, prepare for a six-week period of penance and prayer. These Mardi Gras celebrations include the communal gathering of a meal, typically a gumbo, including uh, collections for rice, uh, vegetables, and of course, the, the most important part, the chasing of the chicken. In Louisiana's coastal communities, there's yet another way to celebrate the Mardi Gras tradition. Today, we'll hear from Maria Zarang, who is a native of Thibodeau, Louisiana, and studied the Gaines Mardi Gras traditions that her family has celebrated for generations. So just in this small, the little curve of the question mark here. Um, so the Mardi Gras starts here in this area, and then they make their way from the front of Gaines... And then they circle back and they go to the back again. So what the Mardi Gras procession is literally doing is that it's tracing the boundaries of the community. They're making like a, a big circle or like an oval around the community. So that's why I think that um, geography is important to the study of Mardi Gras. Okay, so um, let's get to the actual chase in the Mardi Gras tradition. So what is it? So we know where Gaines is and what it looks like. On Carnival Day, it's really a tale of two Mardi Gras traditions. There's the parade. The parade happens at 11 a.m. and it lasts till uh, 12 o'clock. It only lasts an hour because from this point to that point, the front to the back is only 2.6 miles. So they don't really have a long way to go. Um, okay, and so the parade, the parade was is a fairly new addition. The chase has been going on since before the turn of the 20th century well that's as far back as community memory goes it could go, it probably went on even before that but all the people that i talked to i talked to the oldest lady in town and that's as far back as she can remember 
So um, that's what we got to go with. But the parade, the parade was started in 1973, and it was started by the Gaines Jaycees organization. And they wanted to create a small parade where kids from the community wouldn't have to leave Gaines on Mardi Gras Day to catch bees and see floats. So that's why they created this. And so here's some examples of these floats. Um, that's my Aunt Gail in yellow. I have family from Gaines, so I kind of grew up knowing about it all my life. Most of the floats are very small. They're usually just built up on the back of trailers, and they're either pushed by tractors or trucks. So here's another example of a small float in, from the Gaines Parade. Here's another one using the Mardi Gras colors. And then I love this one, uh, Gaines Goddesses, <laughs> pulled by a truck. And I, I love this one. This shows the creativity of some of these floats. Um, just kind of using what they have in the back of Gaines, taking an old school bus, cutting off the top and using it as a float. And then this one, a little kitty float. This is pulled by a ranger, kind of like a souped up golf cart. Because Gaines is such a small town, most people ride around on those rangers. They don't even use cars. All right, so that's the parade. Um, it's very popular in the region. A lot of people from Lockport, Matthews, and Raceland come to the parade because it has a reputation as being a small, family-friendly parade where you can catch a lot of bees and you don't have to be out with your young kids very long. After the parade, there's a two-hour gap so that any people not from Gaines who don't want to be a part of the chase and who don't want to be out on the street when the chase is happening. So the chase happens at 2 o'clock, and it usually runs to about 5 or so, so it lasts about 3 hours. Okay, so I guess what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a brief definition of what the chase is, and then I'm going to back up and give you some details of it. So the chase is a uh, symbolic whipping ritual where men in the community dress up in colorful costumes, kind of similar to what you see in the couriers, and um, they go from the front of Gaines to the back of Gaines. So that's their procession. And when they get out and stop at houses along the route, they get out and um, they chase children and they whip them. It's usually taps. It doesn't really hurt. We'll get into those details. Um, So that's kind of the basis of this is what the chase is. So the couriers, they're chasing chickens. And in Gaines and in Shoepick, they're chasing children. All right, so I'm going to just read a brief description because I don't want to miss anything. So this is what happens kind of detail by detail on on Mardi Gras Day from 2 to 5 p.m. Once the Mardi Gras dress and new participants are initiated, the masked men board the trailer and make their way to the front of town at the official starting point. As the trailer proceeds along the highway and towards the front of Gaines, the Mardi Gras are finally revealed to the community. All right, so the Mardi Gras are finally revealed to the neighborhood for the first time and anticipation builds among the participants and the spectators. As they ride, the maskers tap their supple willow branches used as whips along the trailer sides as a playful warning to the children who know that Mardi Gras, the Mardi Gras will soon be descending off the trailer to chase and whip them. The tapping of the whips, the jingling of the bells, and the maskers teasing create a carnivalesque atmosphere that electrifies the public and provokes an array of reactions. Some of the braver children take this brief opportunity to tease the Mardi Gras. They cry back at the Mardi Gras. You're not going to catch me. You're too slow. And others laugh and wave at the Mardi Gras as they pass. And a few little children even cry at the sight of the Mardi Gras. 
So this is kind of what's going on. All right. So this picture, um, this is the Mardi Gras perspective. So this is, um, they're in the trailer and this is the moment where they're finally revealing themselves to the community and they make their first pass from the back of games to the front and they don't start chasing until they reach the front to go to the back of games again. So, um, I love this picture because you can really see what's going on in, from the Mardi Gras perspective in the trailer. So like this Mardi Gras here, he has a stack of his switches and he's just beating them against his hands to kind of make some noise. Then you have this Mardi Gras here who's pointing at a kid saying like, I'm going to get you, you know, you're next. You better be prepared to run. And so they're just making as much noise as they can to kind of create this carnivalesque atmosphere and really excite the public. And this is what it looks like if you're on the street. If you're a kid, um this is what you see staring back at you just a bunch of scary guys with switches and they're yelling at you you know it's, it's a lot of fun this part is my favorite part of the chase um i just think the anticipation is um i don't know it's just better than the actual chase in my opinion all right so what are the kids doing and this is what happens they're getting off the trailer and this is where they're headed, to this house here. There's kids and family waiting for the Mardi Gras. And they're just running for for the kids. And what does that look like if you're a kid? This picture here, you see this big blob of these guys in colorful costumes. And some of them are kind of scary. So usually, at the sight of this... If you're a child in games, there's usually two reactions. So the first reaction usually comes from smaller kids, uh, kids in elementary school. So this is what they do. All right, so when you see the Mardi Gras coming, you have to get on your knees and you have to put your hands in a prayer, in a prayer-like stance, and you have to say, Padon, Padon, Padon. And that is Cajun French for pardon me. So what they're implying with putting their hands in prayer and saying Padon is they're implying pardon me for my sins because we have to think Mardi Gras falls on the day before Ash Wednesday. So this is the big hurrah before one of the most uh, solemn and prayerful periods in the Catholic calendar. The meaning behind this is the whipping, well, the symbolic whipping is supposed to cleanse them of their sins and get the younger generation ready for Lent and ready for the rest of the year to kind of um, cleanse them of their sins and keep them on the right track and say, you know, kind of you better behave for the rest of the year and for Lent. So that's what they're doing here. And when the Mardi Gras come and they see kids who are get on their knees right away, usually they just do a light tap. You know, you can barely feel it they're just kind of putting the switch on the back of your legs or something like this usually they'll like taunt them and play with them for a little while but you know you can see these kids are enjoying it they're having a good time uh their mom is taking their picture so here's the second response and this usually happens uh when you're a teenager and you kind of get the gut guts to run you've been chased for all your life as a kid and now you realize that you're part of the performance too. And it's not only the Mardi Gras that can be entertaining, but the kids can also be entertaining too, and they can make fools out of the Mardi Gras and outrun them. So uh, here we have a bunch of kids who are outrunning the Mardi Gras, a girl here and a guy. Um, This girl ran and she got caught. So um, (laughs) usually if you outrun the Mardi Gras and they catch you, they may not be as nice when they whip you. But of course, if they don't know you, then, you know, then they won't really whip you that hard. It's all about familiarity. You know, this is a community that knows each other really well. So they can play with each other a little rougher than, you know, strangers.
Mardi Gras sounds and gains are not what you would typically expect. There's not a live band. There might be a DJ. But the most prominent sound of the Mardi Gras chase and gains are the bells. The bells are really important because it's a nod to the older way of running carnival and games. So pre-1972, when the parade started, the chase wasn't actually a procession. It was actually a community-wide hide-and-seek game. It seemed like a lot of fun, but they don't have the time to do it now. With the addition of the parade, they just don't have the hours to uh, do a hide-and-seek game. But what kids would do is they would plan their hiding spots for weeks. They would, like, carve out little caves and uh, hay bales. They would um, hide in sheds. They would, like, dig ditches and hide in those. <coughs> and so at 11 o'clock, when the Mardi Gras started um they would go in their hiding spots and then the Mardi Gras would come out uh and try to find them and so when they did find them that's when they would chase them and, and then the kids would have to get on their knees and do the pat on so in order to level the playing field what they did was all the Mardi Gras had to have bells on so really Mardi Gras it wasn't about seeing all these bright colorful costumes it was about listening for the bells so you can know when the Mardi Gras are coming so that's why they try to um keep the bells now just as a nod to like the older way of doing things a quote from mark bro he's an older mardi gras he's in his 50s and you know he was around when the mardi gras was more of a hide and seek game this is him talking about the bells they would dress with bells on their costumes and the bells it was sort of like you being the rabbit and them being the beagle you were hiding and you knew that you had a pretty good hideout but the bells just kept getting closer and closer and closer And even though they didn't know where you were, you were so afraid that you would take out a perfectly good hiding spot and you'd end up getting caught. So that's kind of like the older way. And yeah, the bells just kind of nod to like pre-1972 carnival. When I was at the Mardi Gras, so one year I rode with them. Uh, Women can't participate, but they just let me ride in the trailer. But the next year, I was like, I just kind of want to be on the side of the road, you know. But um, whenever I came, get you know, when the Mardi Gras came towards me, I just immediately went on my knees because I was actually really scared. (laughs) I mean, even though, like, I had studied this thing inside out and knew about it, when you're in that moment, you know, something just kind of takes over you, you know, and you're like, okay, uh, I'm just going to kneel down now, you know. Um, I have a quote that I want to read uh, to you from Hanson Bro. Hanson's a Mardi Gras, and he's a leader of the community. He kind of helps manage it and keep it going. And he talks about what's it like to be this kid. So what is he feeling right now? The sound of that stick just hitting the truck and making all this noise. Yeah, that's what really got you excited, because it was kind of like a percussion line coming through the middle of town. You were sitting on the side of the road. You were talking all this, you can't catch me, you can't catch me. And you just hear the horn going off and people just beating on the trucks with their hands. It's that ticking sound and you're just getting all excited. You're just waiting for it. And when they finally do come back, you see them. Your heart starts pumping and you're just waiting. All right, they're about to be here. They're about to be here.
So whereas the Mardi Gras tradition in Gaines may differ from what you're more familiar with, the parades of New Orleans, the country Mardi Gras where you chase a chicken, nonetheless, the Gaines Mardi Gras does embody the five attributes that Barry Ancelet, a Louisiana folklorist, identifies as the five major components of any Mardi Gras celebration. One, that it's a rite of passage. Two, it features a reversal of the social order. Three, there is a processional nature to the celebration. Attribute number four, anonymity. And number five, the altering of consciousness. We see all of these in varying degrees in the Gaines community, and we want to talk a little bit more about the importance of Mardi Gras as a community unified. You know, it's people uh, whipping kids with a switch. Why do they keep on doing it, you know? So one of the things that Mardi Gras does is community maintenance and formation. So this is something that the community does every year at the same time every year. They do it together. They prepare for their costumes together. They prepare for the floats together. They're sharing this experience together. They're sharing food. A lot of people um, do boucheries um, on the side of the road or like they barbecue on the side of the road. They're talking to each other. They're getting out. They're just hanging out together. And that makes a strong community. It shows how dynamic Carnival is. You know, when you think about traditions like like the Mardi Gras, it's not the same generation, one after the other, doing the exact same thing that their parents and grandparents did. It's very similar, but they're making adaptations to meet the needs of contemporary times. So that's what the Gaines Mardi Gras did here. They had some outsiders come in, some people not understanding how to be a Mardi Gras, so they decided to uh, start a new ritual that is now a a huge part of the chase for a decade now. So it just shows the dynamism of uh, and the creativity of Mardi Gras. The dynamism that Maria is referring to is the creation of the initiation ceremony to allow the participants to understand what the rules are and how you can work within those rules without breaking them. So in games, when you're 16, you can become a Mardi Gras and you have to be initiated. If you're a new person and you're like 32, you still have to be initiated. So if you're new, you can't run unless you're initiated. So this is kind of what happens here. All right. So here's our new recruits lining up against the trailer. And then this is all the veteran Mardi Gras who have been running and don't need to be initiated. So what they do is they line up all the new people. All of these people have to take turns. Hit... uh, hitting every one of the new people on the back of their legs, and they give them two taps. The first tap is usually a big whack that shows them how not to hit, and then the second whack uh, is a very light tap, and they say, this is how you do it, and they just give a little tap. Now, this guy and then this guy here wore shorts, so this is what it looks like. Um, so that's what they do. That's the initiation ritual. Every single Mardi Gras, the veteran Mardi Gras, take a turn, and they do a light tap and a hard tap, showing the Mardi Gras how to play. Okay. And this is the Mardi Gras after the initiation ritual, and now they're ready to uh, start the chase. that carnival does for the community is it connects the community with its past and that's something that weighs pretty heavy on the people who practice uh the tradition as mardi gras but also just the people in town that was something that i heard a lot when i interviewed people was just that 
You know, we can't let it die. This is something that our parents did, that our great-grandparents did, that our great-great-grandparents did. Um, and so it's a shared memory that exists in the past as well as in the present. The more subversive element of Carnival, um, and I think that the biggest tension in Carnival is the tension between subversion of social roles, but also affirmation. So the tension between subversion and affirmation. And you see this a lot with um, the parents and the grandparents and also the Mardi Gras themselves. I mean, these people who ride in the Mardi Gras are respected members of the community. You know, they're doctors, lawyers, elected officials, um, you know, respected people. And they're going around dressing up in a Mardi Gras uh, costume and chasing kids with a switch, you know. So it kind of subverts that role. And then also the parents, too. A lot of times you'll see, and in some of these pictures that I showed, you'll see the parents right there, like, taking pictures, kind of laughing at their kids, you know. They're also accomplices to this mischief against the kids. And, you know, this is what we do in Mardi Gras on Carnival Day. They'll just touch. What he's doing is just he just touches the little girl on her hand or like little babies that are sitting down in their mom's lap. They'll just kind of touch their leg with the switch just to show them like, you know, this is our this is our tradition. This is what we do. But they don't actually hurt them. And it's playful. Like uh, the girl in this picture, she's having a good time. This is her grandmother. That's her aunt. They're, they're there kind of reassuring her. Everything's fine. She's safe. And the Mardi Gras is just kind of teasing her a little bit, and, and she's having fun. So, you know, it's not like whipping and, you know, people are getting upset or getting hurt. It's very playful. There was a priest uh, named Father Al. He loved Mardi Gras, and he always participated in Mardi Gras every year. And um, these girls, they went into uh, his car to hide from the Mardi Gras, and they locked themselves in. They were just kind of teasing the Mardi Gras, being like, ha-ha, you'll never get us. We're locked in this car, you know. And then Father Al comes up, and they're like, oh, Father Al, he's not going to, um, you know, give us away to the Mardi Gras. He's a priest, you know. And what they didn't know is how much Father Al loved Mardi Gras. So, of course, he unlocks his car and, um, you know, gives the children over to the Mardi Gras. How different is this Mardi Gras from the shoe pick Mardi Gras? Um... I haven't done too much research on it, but there is a great article in the Louisiana Folklife Miscellany. Her name is Madeline Domain Petrie Cagle. It, she did a great piece on it in Louisiana Folklife Miscellany. You can get it online at, like, louisianafolklife.org. So some of the differences that I know is the Mardi Gras chase the kids on four-wheelers. Um, so... It's kind of wilder. Um, and then also, they don't say pardon like they do in uh, games. They start saying, like, our, the Our Father prayer. But I think the uh, one in shoe pick is, um, I don't know if it's necessarily a procession. It seems like it's more spread out, kind of like how the chase used to be in games, where they just kind of chase kids that were hiding. There used to be whipping rituals in other areas, too. I know that um, Marcia Godet wrote an article about it in St. Martin Parish, I think. And they also had a whipping ritual. But, I mean, I think the only maybe reason why there's not that many left is probably because they were whipping children. I don't know how many people would put up with that for that long, you know. Because there are people in games who don't like the Mardi Gras and people who wouldn't be interviewed by me because uh, they thought that it was a bad idea and they didn't want to be a part of it. So they usually 
uh, stay in their houses or leave, go somewhere else on Mardi Gras Day, too. So I think most of the community really likes it. But, I mean, there are people who don't like it for that reason. Yeah, one lady I talked to got whipped pretty hard one year, and so she never participated again. Um, yeah, most of the community is white. Um, there are a few African Americans that uh, participate in it, but yeah, the majority of the community, the demographics is mostly white, yeah. Maria's point here about race is one we all need to consider carefully. Gaines is a predominantly white community and has welcomed in the African-American members that have married into the community or otherwise settled there. In New Orleans, the Mardi Gras Indians have developed their own very distinct and specific Mardi Gras tradition based on the Native American culture. In the country Mardi Gras, the Negress, or the man that dresses up as a black woman, has no longer taken its primary place in the Mardi Gras couriers. Mardi Gras is part of Louisiana's living culture. We took a deep dive today into the community of Gaines down in Lafouche Parish of Louisiana. We'll be back again in just two weeks with another episode of Coastal Connections. We want to thank the University of Louisiana at Lafayette Center for Louisiana Studies for allowing us to use their audio for Maria Zarang's brown bag presentation. You can find us now on Spotify, as well as a playlist to accompany each podcast episode. Look us up on Spotify if you have an account, or otherwise continue to follow us on iTunes, Google Play, or through lacoast.gov. This podcast is brought to you by the Coastal Wetlands Planning, Protection, and Restoration Act. The QIPRA program is a federal legislation program enacted in 1990 designed to identify, prepare, and fund construction of coastal wetlands restoration projects. Since its inception, over 200 coastal restoration or protection projects have been authorized. For more information about the QIPRA program, find us online at lacoast.gov, become our friend on Facebook, or follow along in our Instagram adventures at QIPRA underscore outreach. We want to know what you're thinking. What are your questions and concerns about the coastal wetlands of Louisiana? Drop us a line on social media or email us directly at cwppra at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed on this or any program on AOC Podcast Network do not reflect the views and opinions of IPF Consolidated Government, Cox Communications, LUS Fiber, AOC Community Media, its board of directors, or its staff. To learn more about becoming a community media producer, visit us on the web at aocinc.org.